0: Are July 6th through the 13th, I believe. So mark your calendars and uh, first on update I think is middle of September. So last spring we did a, a little survey um, with you guys and uh, about once a year I'll do a survey in the spring just to kind of get a feel for who our students are and it's very helpful because there are certain things that I think I think and then I realize that that's not always true. So I like to know just who our people are and I like to understand the broad sweep of who my students are. So we do this little survey. So here's a few things. Um, I'm going to do my my whole intro this morning is going to be recapping what we saw last spring in this little survey deal. And then um, then we're going to launch into, it's going to tie into today's topic. Then we start Philippians next Sunday. So uh, here's a couple things that I thought were a little interesting in this. um, First off, uh, social media. These are the top three Social media apps for you, you have Instagram, which that 's not a big surprise, right that 's your number one that 's your number one app that you guys use is Instagram. Uh, Snapchat for you is number two i don 't have a Snapchat because someone told me it was from the devil, so i don 't have one of those. but I guess maybe it 's been redeemed I don 't know, but it 's your second favorite one. Um, and then thirdly is uh, Twitter. So some people are still on the Twitter machine, apparently. Um, but I guess they don't want to admit who they are. So that's number three, according to what you guys said. Uh, here's the top three ways that you guys communicate with overflow. First is text messaging. We send out those not annoying text messages to you uh, twice a week. And, uh, and uh, also to your parents. That's the number one way that you guys say you communicate with us is through text messaging. And then secondly is just through a personal friend. You call your friend, text your friend. Hey, what's happening tonight at the Outback or um, somewhere else? And that's how you guys communicate. Number three was Instagram on how you communicate with us. And by the way, if you are not yet on our uh, text message list, you can pull out your phone right now and you can do all caps a text message, text TBC Overflow, all caps, one big long word, uh, to that number, 40650. And that will link you, that will get you on our text message list. And you've got to reply back to a few things when they send you some messages saying you want to enlist and enroll for sure. And that's how you get on that list. And then if you want to find us on Instagram, it is Overflow High School or on Twitter, at Overflow HS, just like you see up there. I'll keep it there for a few minutes so you guys can find your stuff. Um, if you want to do that right now. And then a few other things we covered in this survey the last three years or so. So let's talk about cars and jobs. So last couple of years, about half of you had a license and a car. That's actually gone up a little bit. About 60% of you guys say you have a license and a car. And what's really funny about the survey is every year, somehow more people have a car their own car, than the license, which I'm not sure how that works. Do your parents give you cars before you have your license? Does that happen? It was weird. It was like 10%. It was like kids have their own car, but they don't have a license yet. Okay, so that's how it works, I guess, now. Um, this is the new age, I guess. We saw a big decrease in those people that said they have jobs. So we saw only about one in four of you say you have a job. I don't know how you classify a job. I'm thinking, like, do you pay taxes? And you might be thinking, I babysit once a month. I don't know. But one-fourth of you said that you have a job, according to this. Let's talk about family. About 70% of our students have grown up in this area more than 10 years. So a large percentage of you have grown up in the area, um, been here more than 10 years. But... What's interesting is about 40% of you, so almost half, are fairly new to TBC. It said about 40% of our students' families have attended TBC four years or less, which I thought was interesting. You've been here for a long time in the area, but you haven't been to TBC. Um, Almost half of you, four years or less, which means that new families are coming here, which is great, um, but... Those of you that have been here for a long time, don't assume that everyone's been here for a long time just like you, okay? So we're going to talk more about this as we go on this morning. On a more serious note, we saw a big uh, decrease in the number of students whose parents are married, so that means divorce increase in the last year. We're just seeing more students, I think, come that have some difficulties at home. So we saw more of that. And I'm, le- I'm letting my leaders know this, just to know this is um, the situation that we're doing ministry in. Let's talk about faith in church. The last couple of years, it's been really encouraging to see so many high school students get baptized. I've just been blown away at so many of you that have stepped out and said, I want to get baptized and show that I'm a follower of Christ. We've seen a huge increase in those who've been baptized. There's about 35% of you. Are involved in G groups on Sunday nights. So about a third of you guys go to Sunday night G groups. You'll hear more about in the coming weeks. And then something else really encouraging is 75% of you are involved in leading or serving in some way at TBC. Now, it's kind of broad because we said it could be impact, it could be a mission trip, it could be helping in children's ministry. But three-fourths of our students are stepping out and doing something, serving in some capacity or leading in some capacity, which I think is really, really great. Something else that I found really interesting is uh, we have a question on there that asks, you know, do you consider yourself a follower of Christ, or are you a church goer, or are you interested but still searching, or are you not interested at all? And one out of seven people in this room did not say they were a follower of Christ. And I was actually, um, this sounds weird to say, but I'm actually encouraged by their honesty to say, hey, look, that means just about one person at every table would, would not say they're a follower of Christ. And I love that they're coming here. And it's a reminder for me that we, don't, we shouldn't talk from this stage and at these tables As if everyone in this room is a believer, because everyone in this room is not a believer. I mean, that's just by your own admission. So I love your honesty, um, but it's also a reminder for all of us that we have to understand um, who you're sitting with, that everyone here doesn't think like you think, and be sensitive to that and understand that. It's also a reminder for me as we teach that we need to teach with believers and unbelievers in mind and not just act like everyone in here is a follower of Christ, because they're not. So one of the questions was, what first attracted you to overflow? And this was not terribly surprising, but the first thing that you guys said, number one, was friends. I know people. So we'll come back to this idea later on. The second thing is worship. Really encouraging. These guys do an amazing job, so that's, that's encouraging to hear. The third was mission and vision of the ministry. So something about it that you you lock in and you think, I want to be a part of this. And then fourthly, opportunities to serve, to get plugged in and live on mission. And then, where are we, number five, relationship to leaders. We have some amazing volunteers and interns in this room. They're all incredible. And uh, so the fact that they are here pouring into your lives is hugely significant to you, which is great. And then, almost last, food. Man, that's deep. Oh yeah, food. I love food. Uh, so give the kitchen crew back there a hand because that's that's a huge, huge thing. And then, and then, listen, you guys will love this. Last and least, teaching. What the heck? What in the world, man? I had to do some, like, serious praying about this before I gave this message. Wow, guys. Like, teaching last place. Bacon beats Bible. All right. Man. So I wanted to show you that um, because uh, I want you to keep in mind what came first. Friends came first. We'll come back to this in a few minutes. Another question we ask is who would you speak to about difficult things? And you all said, this has been consistent for three years now, parents. Your parents are number one, which I think is is great. That's a great sign. And then secondly, friend. All right? That makes sense, friends. Then thirdly, youth leader. I love that our youth leaders are seen by you as someone you would go to if you were in some kind of a, difficult situation. And then I actually like that I'm after the youth leader because I love that you see them as your primary shepherd, the one that you want to go to. Um, And we we love that these leaders um, mean this much to you. And then here's a couple of funnies. So what might prevent you from coming to overflow? First one. Serious injury, illness, death. I don't know who wrote that, but that was funny. I like that. That's really, really good. And then this is also a funny, another cricket infestation. I'm with you on that one. Yes. In fact, do you guys remember, I think it was two years ago, The Cricket Plague of 2016, do you remember that? It was so bad. There was a Wednesday night we had the lights on out there, and it was like a swarm. It was like, I was looking for Moses and the Israelites. It was bad. It was so awful. And they were coming into the building, and they were like, you drive across the parking lot, and it would sound like popcorn. You're like, pop, 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 pop. It was the worst. It was the worst. It kept making me ask, like, who sinned? What in the world? Um, did you guys see, like, did you see the white powder around the outside of all the buildings when you walked in this morning? Do you know what that's for? It's supposed to keep out crickets? I don't understand, but it's, it's I think, laundry soap. I'm like, after two years ago, we decided to bust out the big guns. We're like, get out the tide. We're going to kill these grapes with tide. I don't know how that works, but anyway. Another one. What might prevent you, hunting or college? That's what one person wrote. I didn't know guys who hunt went to college. I didn't know that. What? I didn't know. I didn't know. I better be quiet or I'm going to get shot by whoever wrote that down. All right, here's another one that's really good. Just me being lazy. I love the honesty with that one. I love the honesty. And then last but not least, one more, nothing except death. (laughs) I don't know what's a fixation with death without question. Um, So whoever wrote those two about death, I'm going to hold you to that, whoever you are. Um, Were you at church on Sunday? No. Were you dead? No. Well, why weren't you at church? Um, So here's another question we asked. What changes would you make to overflow? And there were some serious, some not so serious. Uh, Someone said more breakfast tacos. Like, really? You're going to critique the, you guys get free food. Be quiet. That's, (laughs) it's free. Uh, But many of you said things like, you said, um, Things like uh, uh, there's too many clicks. There's lots of clicks, and that's a word that I heard a lot in the responses of what you would change about overflow. We need to break up the clicks, and um, so we're going to talk about this a little bit this morning. We need to break up the clicks, and whenever you're whenever you're asking, I don't quite fully know how I break up the clicks. I don't wanna, like throw a grenade on the table and be like scatter, you know, or whatever they do, but. <laughs> Um, but that's, that was your, how you would make a change. Other people said, more events outside of Sunday and Wednesday, where we can get to know people, I think it's a great idea, and I will say, if that is you, please come and talk to us. I would love to get students more involved in those kinds of things, because as you know, we do Sunday, Wednesday, and we're planning a lot of stuff, but we don't do many things that are planned from the top that are, like, just get to know you type stuff. And so if if you wrote some of those things down, come and talk to us. We would love to enlist some students in in getting these things planned. And then uh, someone said, some said having a welcome team for uh, Sundays and Wednesdays, like student welcome team, which I think is a great idea. We've discussed that before, and I would love to get that off the ground and have, if you wrote that down, please come and talk to us. We want to discuss how we can make some of those things happen. But I want to take you back to a theme that I saw all throughout this, this is the last three years running. And when we ask what first attracted you to overflow, I counted over 50 times where people said things like fellowship, community, or friendship. And when we ask what would drive you away, many of you said, if my friends don't go, or too many clicks, or if I don't belong. What first drew you here is friendship. What would drive you away is lack of friendship. I saw that all throughout this deal. And I've always believed that what happens um, at these tables is is a lot more important than what happens on this stage. We take teaching God's word seriously. We do it, we try to do as good as we can, but obviously food beats it. And and at the same time, we we think that what happens at these tables is going to be life-changing for you. And I know that if you don't connect with people at these tables, you're out the door. That's just what I've seen over the last um, several years. So what happens at these tables is hugely, hugely important. Um, I think even more, more important than what happens on this stage. And I've seen that play out. The quality of friendship in this room will determine the quality of this whole ministry. We're only as good as the friendship that we have in this room. And I know we use the word community a lot. But that's just a fancy word for friendship. And so today I want to talk about, uh, I've titled this Friendship Revisited. So I want to talk about some things in relation to friendship before we get into gospel-centered friendship in the book of Philippians. So we'll start Philippians next week, and we're going to spend a whole semester in that book. Now listen, I know whenever, if I say we're doing a talk on friendship, I know that friendship is not as appealing as romance. It's just not. If you say you're doing a dating talk, teenagers are like, I'm there. Say you are not a friendship, it's like, yeah, maybe I'll be there. Right? So romance gets our attention. When you're at the store in the checkout, what's on the magazine covers? It's look who's sleeping with who. It's look who broke up with who. It's look who's cheating on who. The cover stories are never about Look who's friends with who, right? It's not, it's not ever about, like, you know, friendship. Like, no one, that's not going to sell magazines. When you watch movies, friendship is rarely at the center of a story. It's usually a romance. And the friendship is like a peripheral thing. So we're going to talk about friendship this morning. The Bible is not silent on friendship. Jesus talked about it. And he talked about it in John chapter 15. Turn there, John chapter 15, we'll start in verse 12. And I was looking for a passage, and last week, Gary talked on this whole section, and I was reading this text, and I was like, that's my passage for next week. So I'm going to focus on John 15, uh, verses 12 to 15. Jesus is in the upper room talking to his disciples, and he is telling them how to live in the world once he is no longer with them. And this is what he says in in verse 12 of chapter 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father... I have made known to you. There is a lot in this passage. We'll we'll start with this point. You can write this down. Loving one another is a command. Loving one another is a command. If Jesus had to command it, that means it's going to be hard. Easy things don't need to be commands. Does someone need to command you to eat? Or sleep. Or be lazy. There's no command needed to do easy things. Those things come naturally. If you find that people are hard to love, Jesus knew that you would, and this is why this is a command. So he says to the disciples, You're going to love one another. And earlier in the in the in the passage, he talks about John thirteen, verses thirty-four to thirty-six. He talks about how Loving one another is not just a good thing to do just because, but loving one another is a testimony to the outside world. And so the kind of love that happens inside the body of Christ needs to be a display for others to see. And how we love people in here determines how the message goes out there. So this is why he focuses on this command to love each other. But here's the the good news. We have super, as difficult as loving each other was going to be, we have supernatural resources given to us by God so we can accomplish this. He says, love one another as I have loved you. So the second point. Loving one another is rooted in Christ's love for us. Loving each other is rooted in Christ's love for us. How are we able to pull this off? You're only able to love other people in the body of Christ because there was someone who loved you in a supernatural way, Jesus, and he displayed this by his love for us, by dying for us on the cross. He has given us the model for what it looks like to love someone sacrificially, sacrificially, to love someone unconditionally. And there are times when in the body of Christ that this love towards each other is going to seem kind of bloody and it's going to feel like you're hanging on a cross. There is a sacrificial element to loving each other in the body of Christ. When you understand what Christ did for you, this is when you are given the divine resources to love other people. You, you can have a semblance of love, or what you think of as love, but you will not fully understand what loving one another is unless you recognize how loved you are by the one who loves us, which is God himself. This is how you get these divine resources to love People in the body of Christ. The moment you and I start picking people apart, well, I don't like this about them, or I don't like that, and we start getting nitpicky with people. In those moments, when you remember that there is a Savior, there was a Savior who died a bloody death on a cross, was beaten to a pulp, and died for you on a cross, shed his blood for you, despite our imperfections, The minute you and I start keeping score in a friendship and start nitpicking people and saying, I, I, I don't like, I can't stand this about them, I can't stand that they did this, I can't stand that they did that, and you're picking them apart, the minute you kind of reflect on the cross, recognizing what Jesus did for you on the cross despite your imperfections, suddenly you have supernatural resources to love someone in a supernatural way. Because you know your love for someone else is rooted in Christ's love for you. There is no greater act of love than to lay your life down for someone. When Jesus, when asked what would prevent you guys, so on the little survey thing, when we asked what would prevent you from coming here, some of you said, nothing but death, right? So it, it sounds like maybe you're serious. Maybe you meant that. But we know nothing displays sacrifice for friendship like dying for someone. It's why you look at, when you look at certain war films, like that is the theme. That is the, the biggest theme of someone being able to sacrifice their life for someone else. And Jesus says, Jesus says, he calls these people friends and says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends, because that's what he was about to do when he went to the cross. When you know how loved you are, it makes loving others possible. When you know how loved you are, it makes loving others possible. You're able to love other people well. You see this in families, I think. People that have children that have a mom and a dad who love them unconditionally, not perfectly, but unconditionally, when, when a kid's in a family like that, with two loving parents, it's easier for that kid to give love and receive love. If someone grows up in a home not like that, it's harder for that person to give and receive love. It doesn't mean it's, a, it doesn't mean it's impossible, because God can heal. But it's more difficult for that person because of what they've grown up in. They don't trust people. And so God God can heal, but the way that he heals, if you begin to recognize it's only when you realize you've got a heavenly father who loves you, you've got Jesus the Savior who calls you his friend, and when you understand that he loved you enough to die for you, healing can occur, and you can begin to love people in this way. So God can heal what many of you have been through. Listen to these words by, this is an old dead English guy from a long time ago. His name, I can't even pronounce his name. I thought it was French, but apparently he's from, he lived in England. Uh, He writes this, Christian friendship is extending the fellowship of Christ to one another. The thing that Jesus is talking about, friendship with him, the essence of Christian friendship between you guys is to simply extend the friendship that you have with Christ with others. I'm hoping that after today you're going to ask some questions about, some serious questions about friendship and just the state of your relationships. Is this what my friendships are about? Are my friendships about this right here, extending the fellowship of Christ to other people? Are my friendships about that? True Christian friendship is about recognizing the friendship you have in Christ and because of that reality, extending that friendship to other people to include other people. Many of you mentioned cliques preventing you from wanting to come here or potentially. Now, we use that word, so what does it mean? Here's how you would define a clique. It's a small group of people with shared interests or other features in common who spend time together and do not readily allow others to join them. In your friend groups, it is great to be close, but let's not be closed. In your groups, it's great that you're close friends, but some of us are closed off from other people. And it's hard to break in. It's hard to find a way in. And this is the definition of a click. So a click might not always be what some of you think it might be, they might just be good friends, but if they are so turned inward and ignoring everyone else and leaving everyone else out, well, then that's the definition of a clique. And there's no question that those exist in this room. There's no question that they exist in this room. So it's great to be close, but let's not be closed to other people. If you plan stuff with your friend group and you start getting real selective all the time, you're like, let's Let's invite this person, but not this person. Invite this person, but not this person. You know, that person will throw off the vibe. If you start thinking along those lines, well, this is the definition of a click. It's the textbook definition of what we're talking about. True gospel-centered friendship is, was never meant to be just two people just focused on themselves. True gospel-centered friendship should be open to a third and a fourth and a fifth there's a really good i'm going to quote him later on but i'm going to quote c.s lewis later on on friendship but in one of his books he talks about how the nature of friendship so obviously romance is meant to be like two people and that's it and if there's a third there's problems right so that's romance but friendship is different Friendship, if there's two and they're really good friends, then true friendship, it's like you, kinda, you want to add a third, you want to add a fourth, you want to add a fifth because you will see things come out in the other person that that other person brings out of them, that you don't bring out of them, and vice versa. And when you start to add more people to friendship groups, you start to see complexities and, and depth of friendship take off in a way that won't happen when there's just, just two people focused on themselves. So C.S. Lewis discusses that in one of the books that he's written on friendship. Back to the o- other English guy on friendship, he gives three different kinds of friendship. Fleshly friendship is focus on shared likes and dislikes, and it easily comes and goes. I'm sure we're all, we all can imagine these kinds of relationships. Focus on shared likes and dislikes. So you both like the same thing. It could be positive. It could be nothing negative about sports or something you're involved in at school. But it's just you share something in common. Like I had a lot of friends in high school that we started out because we played soccer together or basketball, and that was our shared interest. But sometimes this fleshly friendship could also take a bad turn where Some negative things really draw you together, like you love to party, you love to smoke stuff, you love to sin together, and and that could be what draws you together, and and you have this what's called a fleshly friendship. It's it's pleasure-driven, it's um, thrill-seeking, fleshly friendship. This friendship is all about chasing pleasure, feeding the appetites. And then secondly, there's worldly friendship. Here's how that's different. It's focus on using people for our advantage ends when either person stops being advantageous to the other. I think we've all seen that play out. We've all experienced it. We've all done it. We've been the victims and the perpetrators. You see someone's popular. You want to be popular. So you seek them out. You cozy up next to them and try to become their friend because you want their popularity. And this kind of friendship never lasts because it's based on worldly things, and just advancing your agenda. And then thirdly, there's spiritual friendship. This is a focus on growing one another towards Christ-likeness. This kind of friendship does not end when things get tough. It doesn't end when things go up and down. It doesn't end when the person stops being advantageous to you. This is true gospel-centered spiritual friendship. And this kind of friendship is about something deeper than just a shared interest or deeper than just how can I use this person? This is how can God use this person to cause me to grow? How can God use me to cause them to grow? So instead of wanting to use them, you want God to use you in their life. And that is spiritual friendship. This is possible because... Two people who don't have much in common apart from Christ can be really, really, really good friends when it's a true spiritual friendship. I love when I see two students that are friends that I go, I didn't see that coming. Like, I can think back on students I had in the past where, you know, one student was like a journalism student, one student was a football player, and they were friends because of Christ. And I didn't see it coming. I, this, it's a really kind of an, an odd friendship, but because it's spiritual, they're spurring each other on towards Christ's likeness So friendships in the body of Christ should look like that. It should look odd. It should look, I don't know what, what brought y'all together, but it's not what usually brings people together. <laughs> and so this is a spiritual friendship. This friendship is about more than what we normally focus on. So C.S. Lewis says these words about friendship. He says friendships arise when two or more discover that they have in common some insight or interest. This is why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Friendship must be about something. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Nothing those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. Your friendships have to be about something bigger than the friendship itself. This is why we talk so much about living on mission together. When you live on mission with people for God's kingdom, for the gospel, you will find people running along next to you that You also are just drawn to their personality, and you become fast friends, but the friendship is deeper than what we typically think of as friendship, because you're both running in the same direction, and they become a dear friend to you for the rest of your life. That is spiritual friendship. So think about your current friendships. How did it happen? Did someone, like, propose? No, that's not how friendship works. That'd be awkward. That'd be weird, right? Right? You, you didn't talk about the friendship. You just, you're, you're going in a direction and you're interested in something and, and you just find yourself just becoming friends. You don't like make it happen. It, it, so one way of saying this might be real friendships are discovered, not forced. Real friends are discovered, not forced. You can't force the issue and be one of those overbearing people. But they're discovered, but they're discovered when you both realize you're on the same mission together. And you're both running the same direction, and this is what uh, draws you together. So if we want to destroy the cliques that we talk about in here, as you mentioned, then this is the kind of friendship that we need to start having developed in this place. True, spiritual, gospel-centered friendship. This is what will do it. There's not any one thing that my leaders or myself can do. We can try to create environments, but this has to be a two-way street. This has to be a two-way street. This is what we need. Now, for some of you, for this to happen, this is going to require great steps of faith. We have offered to you, stepping into Wednesday night community and Sunday night G groups coming up, and we're trying to create environments where this kind of friendship can take place. But we can't make that happen. We can create environments, but you've got to make it happen. But some of you in this room need to step out in faith. I know for many of you, coming down here on a Sunday is a huge step of faith. I know that. I've been there. I've been doing some reading about some of this. There are some trends happening right now that are kind of new. And this is not... Christians writing this. This is people that are not even believers noticing these things. And I read recently that students your age are going out less and less with friends now. And we can speculate as to why, but I read recently that in 2015, in 2015, listen to this. This is crazy. In 2015, seniors in high school are going out less often than 8th graders were in 2009. It's crazy. Like seniors, the ones who have a car and a license and keys, and they can go wherever they want, whenever they want most of the time, they're choosing to stay home because just because. And I've got some thoughts that I'll share later on this, but I think a large part of it is why leave the house? When you have everything at your disposal, you've got streaming everything. Like, why leave the house? I, got, I know students that just play games with friends online and never leave their house. Well, hang out with my friends. No, you didn't. You were online together, but you weren't together. And I've said this before. Christianity is a flesh and blood religion. Jesus Christ came in the flesh to be in the flesh with people that he ministered to. We have to be with each other if we're going to have community together and this kind of friendship together. It has to be physical presence. Not all the time. That'd be creepy and weird. But it needs to be part of the regular habit of the people of God. So friendship will not happen if we're not with one another. And I know for many of us, that step of faith requires that you step out your front door. That's the first step of faith for many of us. Go ahead and wrap up with your discussion at your tables. You've got several questions there to get to.